Welcome back. Tuesday morning, Monday night. Good evening. Good morning, listeners of the pod, listeners of the Interleague podcast. Uh, you're rocking with Chris, as always, and also hosting our friend Alex Despagny. What's good? That's you, Spags. That's me. I did that's it. That's you, that's you, Spags. I made He's it. Alex Despagny. You know what I'm saying? Bow, bow, bow. <laughs> yeah, dude. See, already way funner, dude. There was no, there was no singing this episode, though. I'm slightly disappointed. Oh but, yeah, well, but maybe that's why our listens are. That's why our listens are down. Yeah, dude. The fans didn't enjoy. Uh, we've taken a sharp plummet since pretty much the singing incident. Um, so until until it's more prepared and not like created five seconds before uh, the podcast starts, we'll. Uh, We'll, we'll retire the singing for right now. Makes sense. But makes we sense. We will do burp, burp, burps. <laughs> burp, burp, burps um, will happen. Yeah. And we might say, Alex does beg me, which might sound like singing, but it's not. Yeah, it's fair. Um, so the last couple episodes have run a little long. We had some jam packed information um, with what was going on, but tonight should be a little bit more short and sweet. Uh, first for me, I, I don't know about everyone else. I obviously miss baseball a great deal. Um, it's been a game changer for us doing this. Um, but I just want to give a little, like our weekly MLB status update, uh, kind of a check in with where our teams are at. Um, at this point, it's been 46 days without baseball since the beginning of the season. Uh, it's actually been a little longer than that. If you count the shutdown for spring training, but we've been without regular season baseball for 46 days that we should have had it. Um, roughly about 42 games have been postponed per team on average. Um, as far as what our guys would have been up to tonight, uh, the Cardinals would have been opening a six-game road trip in Pittsburgh. Uh, they'd be there for three games. And then to Philly for three games uh, with a day off in between. And that would have been the Cardinals' first series against both teams this year. Um, would have been interesting to see a weekend series with the Phillies with their new look. Um, added quite a quite a bit of offensive power in addition to what they had last year. Um, I expect them to be much better than just a 500 team. Uh, as far as my guys, uh, the Yankees would have been in Tampa Bay, uh, taking on Blake Snell and the Zilla Crew. Um, Zilla Crew <laughs> for the out. yeah they would have been yeah so tonight would have been the first of a 10 game road trip um, that is that starts with four games in Tampa. Um, which this would have been the second time the Yankees have been in Tampa already um, and accounted for seven of the nine times they'll play there or 10 times. I think they play there this year. Um, but then the second half of the week, this coming weekend, it would have been a three game series in Houston, which would have been a rematch of the 2019 ALCS and the first meeting between the Yankees and Astros since the punishment came down for sign stealing yeah. uh, to the Astros from their championship TVs season in 2017. Off, no electronic devices allowed in the building. Um, they cut everything off, I do believe. Yeah, so another weekend of great Yankee baseball. I missed out on what would have been the first Yankees-Red Sox series this last weekend. Now I'm missing Yankees-Astros. Um, knowing my luck, though, it probably would have been a three-game sweep for Houston and this absolute domination. Uh, but I digress. We won't know what's going to happen yet. Um, the rumor mills are churning. We're, we'll hopefully have a better update next week as there's supposed to be a 
proposal made from the MLB tomorrow, tomorrow. Um, or Tuesday. So maybe today, if you're listening to this tomorrow, or maybe it's already happened. If you're listening to this from Futureville. Um, but yeah, so we'll, hopefully we'll have more to talk to that next week. Um, there hasn't really been a lot released, but I think it's going to be some culmination of different ideas that have been kicked around. Um, I know most recently, uh, Chris, I don't know what you've heard, but I have heard that they're going to try to limit it to regionally based games. So all of your games will be in division or against the opponents from the other league in your same division. So the Cardinals would play all of their games against the NL Central and the AL Central, respectively, to keep travel to regional. Um, because the players have basically said it's a non-starter to have them hubbed and quarantined for three or four months away from family and everything like that. So we'll uh, we'll see what that looks like. I don't know if you've heard anything different. Uh, I saw today that it was pro- tomorrow was going to be a proposed 80 game season. Um, the big sticking point that seemed to be kind of going around today was just player salary. And it was going to be proposed that like revenue sharing was going to go like to 48% players. Um, but players are pretty much saying like, if we play half the amount of games, we want half the amount of pay. Um, so we'll kind of see what the, um, the pay has to deal with it um, to see if the players association will even uh, go with it or not. Um, but we'll kind of leave that to tomorrow. Right. Um, right. And can see what happens from there. So yeah. Good way it's progress, I, right? Yeah, I expect it to be uh, a pretty big topic of discussion for us next week, Um, hopefully, hopefully with some good news. Um, So with that said, what this episode will be about, um, so we kind of went into it in detail with what was going on with the Dream Bracket uh, last episode. Um, That did finish up with games 5, 6, and 7 between the Yankees and the Cincinnati Reds. Um, after the Reds took game five, Yankees came back and won game six and seven at home to win the dream bracket. Uh, there was an epic game six home run by DiMaggio. Literally had me out of my seat. So intense. Never thought I could be so excited about little fake AI simulation guys with big hearts. It felt like real baseball, dude. Yeah. Um, so with, it, it was, it was the announcers. They sold you on the announcer. Like they, <clears throat> they called it like a game. So that's how you, that's how you felt. It. They did. It, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. Um, even though we spoiled what happened, um, I highly recommend checking out the games. It was just, it was good times. Um, very interesting dynamic to it. So with that said, uh, what we're going to do tonight is the interleaguers, uh, Chris and myself are going to dive into creating our own kind of, uh, what what we've deemed the all wild card era franchise team. So basically starting from 1995 with the creation of uh, the wild card to uh, through last season's 2019, um, we'll go position by position, choose a list of players to bring to the table for both the Cardinals and the Yankees, um, ultimately choosing one to be our starter for each team. And then um, the qualifications are players must have played at least 150 games for the team at that position to be eligible or be in the top five for games played at that position if there aren't more than five people that have 150 games played. Um, The reasons that we choose them are our own. Uh, We'll do our best to explain them. Um, But, yeah, you guys can come along. These might not be right. These might not be right. And they might not be popular. No, but they're ours. And that's what makes them beautiful. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, so with, with that said, uh, tonight we 
Um, we had put out to see if anyone had any recommendations or suggestions for where we started with our rosters. Um, we didn't hear as much as we would have liked to, um, but we made the executive decision to start with right field. Uh, so number nine, position number nine in your score books. Um, so that's what we'll be getting into uh, this evening. Um, for anyone that played baseball in their youth, right field was kind of notoriously that position that you placed your weakest player at. Like, no one hits the ball here. We'll stash you there. Um, everyone's right-handed, and they just pull the ball because no one throws hard. Um, but obviously, as we got older, the position became more skilled, and at the highest level, it served for, uh, for like the, the home position for some of the greatest players of all time. Um, Hank Aaron, Frank Robinson, to Tony Gwynn and Dave Winfield. Uh, to five tool stars playing today like Mookie Betts, which I can say good things about now because he's an L.A. Dodger, not a Boston Red Sox anymore. Um, so I can talk good about him. Uh, the L.A. Dodgers are still lame. <laughs> yeah, that's lame. fine. Every that's fine. on their team is lame. Doesn't matter who they are, they're <laughs> you all can, lame. You can hate Mookie Betts as much as I used uh, to, and I support uh, that. <laughs> um, uh, Mookie are, Betts. As I said before, um, our focus today is just going to be on the Cardinals and Yankees. Um, Both of us have gone through the exercise for both teams, so it's not just going to be Chris talking about the Cardinals, just me talking about the Yankees. Um, We will both both be presenting uh, lineups for both teams when everything's said and done, Um, but tonight it'll just be a focus on right field. Um, So I guess the first thing, Chris, before we kind of get into it is to give a list of the eligible players that we had that qualified for the two clubs. Um, the Cardinals did have a little bit more to choose from than the Yankees did. Hey, you know, we have a, we have a, a very versatile outfield group. It's deep. It's been deep forever. We just all the best outfielders. So <laughs> we're just going to have a really deep outfielder class to pick from. And these are going to be hard decisions to make, you know? Yes. Yeah, so it, it, it was surprisingly pretty tough. Um, I guess like I I didn't do a ton of research into like the ins and outs of everything, but I just made just some gut instincts, uh, some baseball knowledge, um, and just you know what my heart told me, and that's what I went with. Um, so from from the Cardinal side, um, the list uh, this is in order of uh, games played. So if if that matters to anybody. Um, and again, from the 95 season through 2019. Um, so the Cardinals had um, Brian Jordan, J.D. Drew, Ryan Ludwick, Carlos Beltran, Stephen Piscotti, John Mabry, Juan Encarnacion, Dexter Fowler, Willie McGee, Alan Craig, and John Jay. Um, so all of those players had at least 150 games played at right field during you know the through the 95 to 2019 seasons um on the yankee side it was paul o'neill nick swisher bobby abreu aaron judge gary sheffield ichiro suzuki also carlos beltran and raul Mondesi. uh so i thought it was very interesting that beltran made it for both teams um and we potentially could have picked them for both teams to do this right like Dude. not just this one, but there's probably definitely going to be other players that cross this path, and it'd be interesting to see if either one of them even, either one of us even pick them. Yeah, uh, maybe I like it's. I'm trying to think just like off the top of my head, like what, 
what kind of staples existed for both franchises. Um, and really, I guess, like, the possibility would be there for, like, Luke Voigt. <laughs> yeah. um, but I don't yeah, know that he had that game. many games played. Yeah, I don't know that he had that enough games to qualify in St. Louis. Um, and he's only have, been... Do you guys have Chris Duncan or his brother? Which one? Chris Duncan or his brother? Shelly Duncan. Uh, we had Shelly. You had Shelly. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. It was just interesting that the position that we picked for no reason other than we decided to start at one end of the list and work our way down through, like, so yeah. nine, eight, seven. Yeah, like, that's, that's the reason why we did it. Be very fun to talk about. And so we'll leave that to the very end, right? Yep. Um, and, and when it comes to pitching, I think we're going to do it in two portions. Um, we haven't worked out all the ins and outs yet, but it'll likely be a starting rotation and a bullpen. So we'll probably look at a couple of different pitchers that we get to select to our starting rotation, that kind of thing. Um, so maybe like three or four starters, maybe all, maybe a full five-man rotation, and it'll probably be like two or three relievers that we get to have as like the staples of the back end of our bullpen, you know, like a seven-days nine kind of guy. Um, but so do you have a preference, Chris? You want to start with the Cardinals, with the Yankees? Do you, um, no, I don't have a preference at all. Whatever you want to go with. I, uh, I like my picks for both. Same. Uh, so I'll flip a coin. You call heads or tails. All right. I'm flipping now. Tails. It is tails. So I'll let you pick. Oh, okay. Well then <laughs> we'll just go. Let's talk Cardinals. Because uh, the anticipation of the you think that I'm going to pick who you think you're going to pick, but that's probably not going <laughs> to pick on your – I'm interested in how that plays out, so I'll wait for fair, that and we'll talk about that. Fair enough. That, that was probably very confusing. So we were chatting before we went live, um, and we haven't – like neither of us know who, let alone like who like the top picks are. We don't know who the other has chosen, so this will be revealed. Uh, we set, we purposely kept our notes separate, um, so we don't know who, who did what. Um, but I made the comment that looking at the list of people, I feel like I know who Chris thinks I have chosen for the Yankees. But I feel like that is also who he picked. So I feel like he expects us to have the same pick, but I don't know that we will. So that that's what we're talking about. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, so I guess since we were starting with the Cardinals, um, they're your team. So I will let you have the, the home half of the inning, if you will. So I will go first. Okay. Um, so the first thing I kind of did was just gut instinct looking at that list of 11 players for the Cardinals. I narrowed it down to like, all right, who do I want to, who do I want to look into a little bit more? And Dexter Fowler was the first guy. (laughs) So he, he was not. Um, he was not, um, I, I took, uh, I, I cut the list. Like I was like, ah, four seems like a nice round number for both sides. There's about half the list for the Yankees, a little less than half of the Cardinals. Um, so four is what I decided to go with. I don't know if I'll do the same thing for every position, but that's what we did for, for right field. Um, the four players that made it to the initial list were JD Drew, Ryan Ludwig, Carlos okay. Beltran, and John okay. Mabry. All right. Um, okay. Just like there, there really isn't. A, uh, here's here's why I made the decisions. Uh, the easiest way I can explain it is it's just like they're either guys that I I think did well as a Cardinal. Um, they're 
all-around good baseball players. Um, they're, they're kind of some staples. They've been a big part of uh, Cardinal success. Um, the only one that kind of didn't fit the bill, uh, fit the bill was really Beltran, who was here for pretty short, but he kind of rejuvenated his career in the two years he was here. Um, we're pretty sure he didn't cheat while he was here. Yeah. So he was still an all right player. Right. Um, it was, you know, when he went to Houston, cause he went to the Yankees after he was in St. Louis. So, oh, so he didn't cheat there either. No, the, apparently it all started when he was in Houston. But who knows? Who knows? All right. Yeah, it's it's an it's an Astros Wait. thing. I blame Alex Cora, but whatever. Um, so anyway, so at at face value, um, after thinking about it, looking through a couple different things, just looking at a little bit of stats, um, John Mabry was the first one to get the axe. Um, his numbers just weren't really there. It was more of the name that gets carried. Uh, I think yep. he he served two different stints with the Cardinals. Um, yep. Like he was here in like, I think like the late nineties, early two thousands, and then came back like in the later two thousands. Um, and then he came back as a coach for hitting coach for a little bit. Um, I don't think he's still the hitting coach. I could be wrong, but I don't think he's in the organization anymore. But anyway, he he's been entwined with the Cardinals franchise throughout. So that's kind of why I threw him on the list, but his numbers there as a player weren't really there. Um, so he got the ax. Um, so I left us with Drew, Ludwig, and Beltran. Um, Ludwig is who kind of got the came and got the bronze spot here. Um, his stat line isn't far off, um, and I think he was pretty overshadowed with high players when he was here in his three years. Uh, he played the Cardinals 07, 08, and 09. Um, so, I mean, that was like the prime of like Pujols being here, Molino's in full swing. It's like he, he made a big name for himself playing alongside some of the best Cardinals that I've ever played. Uh, so I think that that was worth at least a look. Um, ultimately, Wait, I missed the name. Who was that? The Ryan Ludwig. Okay. 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 That's what I thought it was. I was just yeah. Like... So ultimately he hadn't quite broken in the league during his peak years. Um, he was stuck behind a stacked outfield in Cleveland. So the Cardinals picked him up on rule five draft. So he was 28 when he debuted as like an everyday player for the Cardinals. Um, and he still did a pretty good job making a name for himself. I think that he's likely higher on this list than possibly a starter had he broken into the league maybe at like 23, 24, like a Harrison Bader, you know, like a Colton Wong type age. Um, I think his yeah, his career was... looks a lot different. He just was a rookie when he was yeah. 28 years old. Um, yeah, so he was an old rookie. Um, it, it was like, think of like Matt Carpenter, but he didn't burn as hot. Um, and so the fizzle wasn't as bad. Um, and he also left the Cardinals and went elsewhere when he started di to digress. And right. the so Cardinals overpaid the Carpenter. They yeah. all leave. So, so yeah. Um, so, I, I think that that would have been the difference for him had he gotten in at a younger age. Um, so, that, that leaves us with Drew and Beltran. Um, so, this was actually a relatively tough decision for me. Um, I think some of the stat difference had to do with the caliber of team that was around him, uh, especially when it came to RBIs. Um, in Drew's five seasons, he averaged like 56 RBIs, and Beltran was a little over 90 um, in his two seasons. But again, Drew was here like late 90s, early 2000s, um, really before like the like he was here like on the tail end of the MV3 um, aspect. Um, like he was on his way out when that was all getting started up, um, and Beltran was here like in the midst of the Cardinals being a pretty dominant force in the NL. Um, when they went to like four straight LCSs. Um, so I think that that had part to do with it. 
Um, in terms of defense, it was a pretty big toss-up. Uh, assist mates, like throwing guys out from the outfield, um, were pretty close. The number of errors on average over their time here was pretty close. Um, so for me, the difference came down to effectiveness day in and day out in the lineup. Um, and so that in mind, I gave the nod to Beltran. Um, so against lefties, J.D. Drew's average dropped down to like 250 uh, from like the 280 mark that it was overall. Uh, whereas Beltran being a switch hitter hit roughly the same from both sides of the plate. Um, so having him in like that stereotypical back end of the middle of the lineup, I view him like that four, five, six type spot, maybe like in the two hole in certain matchups. Um, having Beltran be able to change sides of the plate just gave him more versatility um, and ultimately why I gave him the nod as my, my starter. So Carlos Beltran, starting right fielder for my fanless Cardinals. Wow. <laughs> Carlos Beltran is who we go with. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. I mean, fair pick. Um, didn't make my cut whatsoever. <laughs> and not just like, not really just because of the tail on his career, but I don't really like, I guess like being like an invested, like just how I think about it anyway. Like I don't, feel as like Carlos Beltran was like I don't know just he was a part of the Cardinals but I just never really consider him a Cardinal no I, I hear you I hear you like if you yeah. think of Carlos Beltran like you're probably either thinking of him like early in his career as a Royal um yeah. his time frame before the Cardinals as a Met or his time as an Astro yeah. like that's that's probably what you're like now like calling him a Cardinal would be like considering him a giant and it just doesn't really like it doesn't really go hand in hand, but now to be fair, like the other players on my list have played in other spots, but just probably more have like emotional tie to it. Cause it's a Cardinals player. Like, it's just like, for some reason, I don't, I, he's not as high on my list. Good yeah. Player. I mean, I, guys here. Oh, you're saying, cause like, like staff play was here. No, but cause like JD drew, I mean, like he didn't stay in St. Louis, but he, he came yeah. in, he was a young kid here. He kind of, you know, got like found his, his footing here. Um, and it, like I said, like, I mean, Ludwig was only here for like three seasons. Beltran was for two, but Ryan Ludwig. Oh yeah. He's the Cardinal Beltran. Not, not as much associated. So I completely get what you're saying, but he qualified for this. I'm not, as not as infatuated with the Cardinals as some people. And it was real easy for me to go based on what I think would be good for a lineup. So Carlos Beltran. And he also yeah, had two stellar years when he was that's here. Fair, that's fair. And what, what your two top picks, it sounded like were J.D. Drew and Carlos Beltran, what both of those players are to the Cardinals outfield are the epitome of Cardinals outfielders. They are young, and we trade them before they they get paid, or they're more on the tail end of their years. Maybe they haven't won a championship. They get sold on a winning culture. You're the missing piece. Come here and be a veteran leader. And maybe you win a World Series and maybe you don't. And then you're gone if you don't after, you're, you know, a couple of years. So that's pretty much the Cardinals outfield to sum it up. Maybe more, but I, again, personally invested uh, into the Cardinals dealings in their outfield. Yeah, I, that's, that's definitely an accurate assumption, like a way to sum up how the Cardinals handle their outfield. Yeah, it's like Beltran batted 282 in his, like, in his two years and slugged almost 500 in his two years. Averaged 28 home runs and 91 RBIs in the two seasons he was here. It's like he was an offensive juggernaut and, you know, 
being here, I mean, it was under uh, Matheny, not under Larusa, um, and we know how crazy Matheny was with switching up the lineups and not putting people in the same. Like he went with the same guys, but they never batted in the same lineup. It seemed like. Uh, yeah, dude. He so he was all over the like place. He knew what he was doing, but like he yeah. really didn't know what he was doing and like fake it till you make it type of thing. Yeah, I can't That's can't wait to see what, what he does with the Royals this year. So quick look, I because I can't remember. Did Carlos Beltran? So when he came to the Cardinals, he was a free agent, correct? Mm-hmm. We didn't trade for him, and when he left, he was a free agent, correct? I believe so. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So didn't lose anybody, didn't gain anybody. Actually, else, the right? hold on, let me double check. Maybe. Um, Yeah, okay. So he so he went to the Giants. The so he was with the Mets and then he went to the Giants to finish up 2011 and then came to the Cardinals. So I I couldn't remember if it was he started with the Giants and came to the Cardinals or if he had just finished up a season. So 2011 he was with the Mets with the Giants and then um he was 2012 he came to the Cardinals. Yeah. But yeah, I, I would say most people probably associate him if they remember like the 04 playoffs uh, with Houston when I think he yeah. hit like, what do you, what do you do? Uh, where's his postseason numbers that year? They Wait, were are we, gonna, are we really about to look up Carlos Beltran's postseason numbers? Dude, I'm telling you. So the Houston Astros? <laughs> yeah, for the Houston Astros. But in 2004. So that was the year that... Um, Cardinals knocked off the Astros in seven games. Um, like I want to say that was like the Jim Edmonds walk off in two thousand, like in Game Six or whatever. Um, I'm sure you've seen the highlight tons of times. Um, so I think the record for home runs in a postseason is like twelve, something like that. And uh, in um, in just the two series that he was in, uh, so five game series against Atlanta, and then the seven games against the Cardinals, he had already hit eight home runs. Yeah with 14 RBIs. Yeah. So that's where like the, the one year he was in Houston. And then obviously he was there in 2017 and they won a world series. Uh, you know, legitly. Yeah. They didn't do anything to cheat. There was no banging going on or anything like that. All right. Assholes. You're, you're on the Carlo, you're on the Carlos Beltran train. Uh, I said he didn't even make my cut, but I understand. I understand the thinking about it. I can, I can be with it. So I also went with, uh, what, four players from the Cardinals? Mm-hmm. Um, so I went uh, John Mabry as well. So I what I remembered quickly was, like, that maybe I just remember John Mabry as a name and a coach um, as of recently. Um, but, again, still kind of garnered her look. Um, and then, yeah, you're right. Like, he fell short uh, in a handful of different areas. Batting was definitely one of them. Um, whereas like if you're going to win games, like maybe he wasn't the guy, like he was serviceable. He was good, but he was a tough out, but he got out, he got out often. Yeah. Um, so Willie McGee, just cause if Willie McGee is going to play a position, I'm going to look at him up. Um, but it's this, it's not his like main position. So I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna credit this one. I'm sure we'll talk about Willie McGee and another time. Probably also. I also looked up Ryan Ludwig. Um, so I just remember Ryan Ludwig coming into St. Louis and then, like, just starting off real hot. Like, 
Ryan Lovewood was like a doubles machine. Yeah. Um, from what I remember, just doubles, 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 doubles. Yeah, he like, really extended the lineup for that yeah. team. Like him batting yeah. like sixth or seventh. Like he was yeah. just so much pop. Like if you weren't careful, he, he was taking a yard. Um, but like you said, just power to the gaps, power down the line. Um, and a super likable guy. Like yeah. you just like hear him in interviews uh, or whatever, and you're just like, man, that guy's just like a regular guy and he plays baseball. Um and he seemed approachable and all those things. So, um, so he was on my list. Uh, and then lastly uh, was JD Drew. Um, JD Drew um, kind of came into St. Louis '98, uh, um, so that would have been right before I entered high school. So, um, really, probably a lot of baseball paying attention going on in those. Uh, and if and our avid listeners, if they remember back in episode one, you talked about it was the home run race between Sosa and McGuire that kind of got you in, and I'm pretty sure that was the '98 season. So yeah, you know JD Drew is a 19 year old rookie. Yeah, yes. Yeah, so JD Drew is a huge part of that, um, I, dude. In '98, I mean, he only had like what 41 plate appearances, but he batted 417. Yeah, um, five home runs, 13 RBIs. Uh, a ridiculous on-base percentage. Um, so it was like, oh yes, we're gonna get this guy. He's gonna bat. <laughs> he's gonna bat around McGuire. Like this is gonna be great. Um, so JD Drew definitely made the list. Um, I, I a couple other guys I just wanted to mention. So John Jay, as of recent, like I really love John Jay as a Cardinal. Um, I wish he would have stayed here as a Cardinal. I loved him as a bench player. Um, I thought he had one of the best jumps in all of baseball in center field. Like the guy doesn't look like he should be able to cover ground, but could cover range with the best of them. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just really like just his play style. Um, Always grinding at bats, always trying. Uh, And then off the field, huge shoe collector, uh, just kind of into like pop culture and stuff like that. So I always found John Jay really interesting. Um, Definitely wouldn't be on my, all caliber team but would definitely be you know like that dude like john mm-hmm. jay is that dude so big shout out john jay not um, sponsored by john jay not sponsored by john jay um so i guess just to cut right to it uh i pick my pick would be jd drew uh and this kind of even like so pre us moving to this 95 um uh, to current format like JD Drew might have made it up there for me, and I understand that like Enos Slaughter like probably should be in that position if like you're a baseball purist or whatever. But again, our lineups, our call. Like I just JD Drew was a huge player in my life, um, and like one of those players like you're mad to get rid of, right? Mm-hmm. You're like, oh my god, what are we doing? Like just pay the guy, just pay the guy. Like he's only a couple years into this, like he's just about to hit his prime. And we let him go. Um, so I remember those times. And then now, seeking back, right, you get Adam Wainwright for that. Um, you get Jason Marquis for that. Jason Marquis spent a couple years in our starting rotation. And Adam Wainwright is in the conversation of one of the best Cardinals pitchers of all times. Um, in the conversation, probably not the best, but definitely in the conversation. Um, so uh, we gave him up. We got a lot out of him. But I would still like to see J.D. Drew in the Cardinals outfield for a lot longer. And then I, so I even had to be, I even had to be happy with his 07 Boston Red Sox win. Oh I God. I know I I'm about, be. I'm about to kick but you like, off of this like, podcast. 
dude, you're dude, never dude, okay with it. Dude, no, whatever, dude. The guy, you know, the guy had a good career. He deserved it. So, get the fuck yeah. out of here. Whatever. He won it. Nah, I don't. Can it's not the it's it's him. It's his accomplishment in it, not the team's accomplishment that I care about. He could have won with any other team. Yeah, he could have. But he, he could have won. Just so. been like an 08 Philly. That would have been fine. Uh, he could have won in Atlanta. They didn't win. But it, the Atlanta season was his best season ever. Right after he got traded. Like he had 305, 31 homers, uh, on base percentage 436. He had 158 hits, uh, 93 RBIs, and 118 runs. Like pretty ridiculous one year. And then Atlanta didn't have him any longer. So they also didn't get to enjoy that. But again, yeah, because uh, he went, he went to one. Boston. He went to Boston after Atlanta, right? Yeah, he went to Boston after Atlanta. And I, I mean, what he. I think the Cardinals. I think when I looked up, the Cardinals paid him less than three million dollars every year. Atlanta paid him like four million dollars. Excuse me. And then and, the Red uh, Sox probably paid him like eleven, twelve, fourteen. Fourteen. Yeah, that's what yeah. I was gonna say. Like if it was after that one year, um, and I know the, the I know the Cardinals traded him, um, so it's likely like that one, like that last year of the deal, and then he just signed as a free agent. And, yep. You know, the Red Sox were gonna go at like compete with trying to to beat the Yankees because what he was, it was Oh four that he was with Atlanta. Um, yep. Or Atlanta. No, Oh four with Atlanta. Um, I actually think he got, I guess he got traded in 2003, um, or injured or something. Cause he only played, well, I guess he only played 53 games in the outfield, but he actually had a, what a hundred games played for St. Louis in 2003. So yeah, he got traded, uh, in that off season, that was his free agent year. Uh, and then he went to the Boston gotcha. Red Sox, yeah. and that was uh, the but... the heart of Yankees Red Sox. We're gonna buy everybody, like when Jason Giambi yeah. became a Yankee. So that's probably why you contracts. really didn't pick JD Drew, and you went Carlos Beltran. So uh, I can see that now. Yeah, I mean, I just think that Beltran's line was stellar. I mean, he was an All Star both years. It kind of rejuvenated his career with what he had been doing before then. Like he just. Something about the water here in St. Louis, man, it did it did wonders for him. I like, you know, he was with the Mets uh, from 05 through call it 2010, and yeah, like, he it his numbers picked up like a little bit like towards the end, but I mean he was a 250, 260, 270 type hitter for most of his career, um, and then like it just picked up like. You know, he batted, like, 296 in his second year as a Cardinal. You know, he stayed healthy, like, played in, you know, like, 150 games or so each year. Tons of plate appearances, like, strikeouts stayed down. Like, he was getting on base, slugging the ball. Like, he just, he performed. It was, it was good. You know, all-star both years. You know, he didn't make the all-star so... team the year before or the years after. So between ninety eight and two thousand three, JD Drew hit three fifteen. Yeah. Now a little skewed because like he did hit four seventeen uh in ninety eight, but he only had forty one played in appearances. But like his lowest batting average as a cardinal was two eighty nine. Yeah, like I said, it's like in, in his five seasons, like with what I was looking at, you know, Drew only played an average like 120 games a season, so it's 40 games off. Whereas Beltran was at like 150, um, and Beltran played in like he was 35, 36. 
J.D. Drew was like 19 and early 20s. Um, but Beltran had higher batting average, um, higher slugging percentage, hit more home runs, had more RBIs. Um, and the, the big deciding factor, like defense wasn't too terribly different. And it was just that switch hit capability that if I'm making a team and I'm going to have, you know, Beltran and Drew probably both could live in like that number two hole or like batting fifth in a lineup and having the ability of breaking up like, you know, for your, your one, two, three to be able to go righty, lefty, righty, or, you know, even if you, if you put it together with, you know, like uh, Wong leading off and you have Jim Edmonds batting third, you know, like you could go like lefty, righty, lefty. So like long-term thinking about lineup makeup for what I would want my team to be able to do. I think Beltran's more versatile because Drew struggled so much against lefties and to the point where even at like times in his career, he was platoon started and only pit, like only played against right-handed pitchers. So that that's why Beltran won out for me. All right, all right, all right. Um, so if we're going to simulate these games when we pick them uh, and we disagree, how do we decide who gets to play on the team? Um, I, I feel like if we figure out, like once we figure out the, the means of being able to do like the outside the park simulation, then we just create your Cardinals team, my Cardinals team, your Yankees team, and oh, my okay. Yankees team. And the four, the okay. we, we just have them play like, a couple games against each other, seed them out, and then face off in a playoff, and it can be epic, dude. We can have them do whatever we want. We own these guys. They're our teams. Sure, sure. our team. So, yeah, so you had J.D. Drew. I went with Carlos Beltran for the Cardinals. Uh, so do you want to go ahead and, and kick us off with the Yankees? Uh, Yep, and so mine will probably be – I 100% think mine will be uh, a little shorter – um, than yours here. Um, so I mainly looked at, so I, I'm not like Paul O'Neill's like, not like, Oh, Paul O'Neill. I know who that is. Um, a lot. Like I know he was a good Yankee and it was a good player just in general. He obviously had the most games played for the Yankees. And so like, I looked at him and yeah, he's got good stats, but again, like kind of one of these picks, especially since we moved to 95, the current, like more, Honestly, like I found two other players in the Yankees lineup that I was probably more uh, tied to than I would have been like stats-based players. So I quickly then transitioned off of just even looking much more Paul O'Neill and broke it down to two guys. Was one of them with, Carlos like, Beltran? No, one <laughs> that of them was would have been so guy. awesome yeah, yeah, if you <laughs> if you picked him <laughs> if you picked him for the Yankees. This would have been great. No, no. Um, so I would pick more. So I've started to more recently watch the New York Yankees more and try to follow along. Um, cause as I've known you, like you're a huge Yankees fan, obviously. Um, and so I've, I've tried to make sure I kind of know what I'm talking about um, when it comes to current day, uh, Yankees lineups and try to make sure I'm well-versed in that conversation. So Aaron judge, um, would be, uh, my pick for right field. And, uh, followed by, sorry, not not my pick. He's one of my options. Uh, Nick Swisher is also a realistic option for me in your outfield. Uh, I don't know what you think about Nick Swisher. I happened to live in Chicago when he played for the Chicago White Sox. Um, so I remember how much we loved Nick Swisher in Chicago. Mm -hmm. um, the guy was like yelling, having a good time, 
just you know hitting the ball around, hustling everything out. He, just, he definitely played like, the game the right way, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, you know, he was super passionate about it. So like that's what I remember. And then even when he went to the Yankees, like just all that carried on. So and I, I wasn't really tied to him. So but him as a player, I remember there. So uh, I would like to see him in that in that lineup uh, for those reasons. Um, and then I kind of looked at some of the uh, postseason battings of them as well. Um, and it's honestly, it's just ridiculous to a look at like two players that like Aaron judge hasn't played that many years, just in general of baseball yet. And Nick Swisher didn't spend like a world's amount of time, um, with the Yankees, but they still have so many postseason games played. Yep. Like comparatively, they've, like, yeah, so they've both been there for, for four years. Yeah. So, um, a lot of postseason games between them, a lot of good postseason games between them. Uh, Nick Swisher's batting average, not so great overall in postseason. Uh, and Aaron Judge's is a tick, but higher than that. Um, so, overall, and I'm sure we'll get into stats kind of when you talk about it, but uh, I would pick, and I'm sure this is the pick that you thought I was going to pick, but I would go with Aaron Judge. That is the pick that I thought you were going to pick. I was. I really wanted to pick Nick Swisher. I, like, I really did. But like, when you look at Aaron Judge, like, how do you not pick him? Like the kid like, rakes. If, yeah, like if he was on a if he was on the Cardinals, you'd be like, oh, thank God, pay the guy whatever he wants. It doesn't matter. Like the guy has to stay. Um, so I, yeah, very, excited to watch true. him play your guys's right field. So my so was my assumption correct? Is that who you anticipate me picking as well as Aaron Judge? Uh, no. Okay. I'm actually. I don't like. If you picked Aaron Judge, obviously I wouldn't be surprised if you picked Aaron Judge. Like, there's a lot of really good reasons to pick Aaron Judge. Um, but, I mean, I don't know how tied to Gary Sheffield you are. Like, uh, he was not, only in a brave. To not me, at all. So, right? Not uh, at all. He, you're obviously. He was a Marlon. He was a Marlon now. Me. So, I'm now. <laughs> yeah, me and me, Carlos, were boys. To see if you picked Carlos Beltran for both teams here. So. Um, <clears throat> So, like I said, I did the same thing, uh, cut it down to, to four players from the list of eight uh, for the Yankees. Um, those four players were Paul O'Neill, uh, Aaron Judge, Nick Swisher, and Ichiro Suzuki. Uh, Suzuki, short time in New York, uh, at the back end of his career, um, he will forever be a Mariner in my eyes, uh, but I was interested just to see uh, what he did when he was in New York, and it, like I said, it was the back half of his career. Um, near the end, the numbers weren't anything spectacular, so he was the guy that kind of got that first cut, which left us with O'Neill, Swisher, and Judge. Um, so I, I 100% agree with Nick Swisher. He played the game the right way. He was pretty dynamic, uh, really fun to watch play, um, just animated. Um, and it was kind of unprecedented with uh, the Yankee clubhouse. Like it wasn't normal for us to have like a, a boisterous, I loud guy. Yeah, like it, it just like that outspoken. I'm gonna have fun. Like they, the Yankees have always just had this like professional demeanor. Uh, everyone's got to stick up their ass. Like they don't have fun. Like. They're, this is a business. Yeah, this is a business before it's a baseball team. Everyone knows we're, who we are. We're, we're playing professional baseball, not a children's game. Um, that was always the dynamic that they've had. Um, granted, I think a lot of it had to do with George being at the helm 
um, with his passing, things kind of started to change a little bit. Um, and then we'll see what happens now that there's only one brother in charge, uh, which route it seems to go. Um, the one that passed away was a little bit more outspoken and kind of a doof sometimes, uh, whereas the other brother is a little bit more of like the crunch numbers, nerdy kind of guy working alongside Brian Cashman. So I think we're in a better place as a franchise, but we'll see how it goes. Um, so with that, but Swisher, he did come in third. Um, the dynamic aspect and like what he brings to the clubhouse just wasn't really enough. Um, offensively, he's probably the weakest of the three. Um, he has relatively high strikeout rates, um, although it, it was nice, the, him being a switch hitter, um, being able to take advantage of the short porch in right field and then the deep gap in left center. Um, it, it was beneficial, and that's why you see like he had a pretty high slugging percentage. Um, hit a ton of home runs, drove in a bunch of runs. Um, but ultimately, the high strikeout rate and defense – he was just, eh, you know, nothing spectacular. Had him come in at number three. Um, so that left it with Aaron Judge, you know, that rookie slugger that's just been demolishing the ball since he got here, like you talked about. Um, and then the tried and true ways of Paul O'Neill. Uh, it's so funny that you're like, I've heard his name. He had good stats. Um, but it really, it's it's like the intangibles that he, that he did that he isn't known for on why he is so beloved in the, the the Yankee dynasty, as you will. Um, so basically, he he came up with Cincinnati, and he came to he, he came to the Yankees like in the latter part of his career. Like I want to say he's like 29 or 30. So I kind of passed those prime years. Um, but it was like the through the 1990s that he was there. Um, so he was like that veteran presence when the core four came up in the later half of the 90s with you know, like Rivera, Jeter, Posada, and Pettit. Like that they were all there like 96 and later when the Yankees won for their four championships in five years. So when they were all young rookies, Paul O'Neill was like that veteran presence, keeping everyone in line. Um, not to mention during that time frame for the seven years that he played in that, like he batted almost 300. He averaged over 20 home runs and a hundred RBIs per season. Um, so offensively he was uh, a force of his own. Um, in addition to the locker room presence, it was just kind of like the way he approached the game, um, the way he attacked pitchers and was so patient and battled at the plate. Um, he actually has the nickname Warrior. Um, if you want, like, the best example for it, um, he had an at-bat, like, late in game one of the 2000 World Series against the Mets. Um, that sparked a Yankees comeback and pretty much changed the tide of that series, in my opinion, like, in a huge way, uh, where he battled and battled and battled and ended up working, like, a 10-pitch walk. Um, so just like that locker room presence, the veteran aspect of what he did and him being a huge part of the dynasty, um, is where kind of O'Neill was at. And then judge, he's been at the helm of, you know, what's affectionately called the baby bombers. Um, so baby bombers kind of arrived unexpectedly in 2017 after Cashman did a ton of wheeling and dealing in 2016 and the Yankees didn't make the playoffs for the first time, like fucking forever. Um, that included, like, that's when he traded Aroldis Chapman to the Cubs and Andrew Miller to the Indians. that was going to happen anyway, right? Like, Aroldis Chapman was always going back to the Cubs, right? Um, well, he was with the Reds. And then, so then, like, at the trade deadline, the Yankees had Cat, uh, Chapman and Andrew Miller 
all year, and they traded. Oh, I'm sorry, they they traded him to the Cubs, and then he was always coming back to the Yankees. Correct. Yeah. So they they yeah. traded him. They traded Chapman to the Cubs and Miller to the Indians. In 2016, the Indians and the Cubs met in the World Series. The Yankees restacked their entire farm system off of the like on the back of those two trades, and then with signing like with draft and judge and stuff like that, um, the Yankees like were finally a young team. Um, and while they've contended every year, kind of since then, um, losing the ALCS in 17 and 19, losing the division series to Boston in 2018, um, they really just haven't gotten it done yet. Um, and then in addition to that, like Judge has had a hard time kind of staying on the field. Um, yeah. So in his four seasons, he's averaging less than 100 games. And that's really hemmed like on the last two seasons. He's played in, like 60 games total uh, in each of those seasons. So he's young, has time to turn that around. But that that's kind of like what the deciding factor was. So it's kind of a, a combination of the injuries for judge where he hasn't really been able to stay healthy. And then what I just labeled like the Yankee mystique that is Paul O'Neill. Um, and with that, I went with the, the nod for Paul O'Neill to be my starting right fielder. Yeah. And that's fair. Like Aaron judge, like there is probably a lot of concern with his size playing outfield and kind of just moving kind of the way he's naturally has to move, but he seems to be a pretty good athlete, but you're, you're right. I mean, just spend a little time on the bench. Um, yeah, I think that yeah. if we if we revisit this conversation five years from now, like it's extremely possible that like Judge is just that much better. Um, yeah, I'm I, just looking big picture here for yeah. for sure. I I I think that Judge is going to be a force to reckon with. I think he will figure it out. Um, he is still relatively young. Um, what I want to say, he's uh, what is he like? 27 yeah 27 28 28, something like that every 28 this year yeah so he's getting into his primers but i mean he is like 6 7 280 pounds like he's a big dude yeah um right now they also have at some point in time right do what at some point in time he moves to the dh that that would be my expectation the problem is is that they have stanton who is also also the same size and isn't as good in six years uh yes yeah, we, the the Yankees aren't ha- aren't hemmed by or hampered by the same downsides that most franchises are. We're like, oh, we can't we can't pay our young guys. Like now, nah, these guys are gonna get paid and they're gonna get yeah, paid to stay in pins. Pay their young guys, but like, hey, maybe Aaron Judge is an attractive piece to get. Um, yeah. I I think I that that I think that that's there, but I I view Judge like so Judge, uh, Glaber Torres. Um, Gary Sanchez, um, and then they really haven't found that fourth piece yet. Um, it would be nice if Severino comes back from Tommy John surgery and is good, but like that's kind of like their new core four in the Baby Bombers. And uh, oddly enough, it's a shortstop, a pitcher, a catcher, and then an outfielder instead of a um, a reliever. But like I, I feel like he's kind of the the face of the like becoming one of the faces of the franchise. Um, you know, with the all rise, um, judges corner out in right field. Um, so like the like the fans have kind of taken to him. So I think he'll be likely be a lifetime Yankee. Um, and actually, I was wrong. He he's played like a hundred games. So it's sixty games he had missed. I had that backwards. Um, in each of the last two seasons, but I mean even last year with him. 
Like, he played in 102 games, and he hit 27 home runs. Yeah. So, like, the dude's going to rake. Um, his numbers are down because of that. Like I said, he's only he, – in his four seasons, he's technically only averaged, like, 62 home runs. And really, it's been three seasons. He only played 27 games in 2016 when he came up. Um, and in 2017, he won Rookie of the Year. So, um, probably should have won MVP as well. But whatever, went to Altuve. May or may not have cheated. Who cares? <laughs> um, We're over it. We're moving past that. Yeah. So uh, he does strike out quite a bit. Um, and I think that that's just like the give and take with him swinging for yeah. power. Yeah. If you're going to hit that many home runs, you're going to strike yeah. out. Um, he walks walks a decent amount. Like his on-base percentage is pretty high. Uh, so, I mean, I definitely could see the argument for it. Um, if this would have been like – if we would have done like current millennium – you know, current century, it's like 2000 to 2019. There's no doubt about it that Aaron Judge would have been my starting right fielder. Um, but with the additional years and like accounting in that the time frame of the core four and everything that Paul O'Neill did for the Yankees in that time frame, that's ultimately why he got the nod. That's fair. I figured I'd hear more Paul O'Neill on your side. Like, I understand the uh, the intangible part, obviously, because like as we talked, yeah, dear Merlino, like that's going to be. Uh, 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 probably a hot topic of like the I'm gonna do everything I can and not pick Molina. <laughs> uh, like like that. I don't know how I'm gonna do like it. You're lying to yourself. Yeah, you I don't know how I'm gonna do it, but that's that's gonna be the game plan. And especially if you okay, so I don't know. I guess because Mark Matheny or Mike Matheny was a was a coach after he was a player. Like we just don't. Uh, well, me personally, it's not a huge fan of him anymore. So yeah, we'll just we'll see who you pick in the catcher segment. I think I guess. Mm-hmm. Be interesting. We got a uh, we got a couple episodes yeah. between now and then. So I got Aaron Judge. You got Paula uh, for the Yankees and recap Cardinals. You got Carlos Beltran <laughs> and I got JD Drew. So. I feel like it really bugs you. <laughs> I mean, I just like I I feel like it's I feel like it's your pick. Like I definitely feel like it's your pick, but I also feel like it's your it's your trolley pick as well for like, like I, I just like, did it strictly like, to spite you bugs me by any means. <laughs> but like now what i'm definitely gonna go do though is look at all fucking carlos beltran's numbers as a yankee and compare him to paul o'neill's numbers as a yankee and we're gonna see who was a better yankee that's for sure <laughs> that that's fair that's fair um doing that notes <laughs> notes i mean we can we can look real quick. Um, he batted in his first year as a Yankee. Beltran batted two thirty three. Um, he had he didn't hit twenty home runs in either year. He did bat two seventy six, so he bounced back a little bit in the second year. Um, his RBIs like yeah, like his first year two thousand fourteen, he he was terrible. Like he only played in one hundred nine games. Uh, he only hit fifteen home runs, forty nine RBIs. He batted two thirty three. Just wasn't wasn't anything spectacular. Um, and then in 2015, he bounced back a little bit. He did play part of 2016, but we traded him to uh, to the Rangers near the end of the year. Or I guess maybe the, the not end of the year, but like the trade deadline. Uh, his numbers were a bit better. Um, he bat like 295 that year, and he made the All Star team. So that's probably when he started to cheat. It's like the back end of 2016. Yeah, that's when he started to cheat. <laughs> right after he left our. Team. No, 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 like in in that time frame. Like he played 150 games that year. He hit 
29 home runs. He had 93 RBIs. Um, 22 of those home runs were with the Yankees. Uh, so probably taking advantage of some stuff there. He batted 304 as a Yankee. Uh, so he kind of started to rejuvenate. So either either maybe he was taking what A-Rod was taking, or maybe people were banging on some trash cans. So hey. maybe the Yankees aren't completely clean in this whole cheating scandal. Hey, winning Miami, you know. Yeah, just, you, you do yeah, you, you, man. You know a guy. You yeah. know a guy, you know. Yeah, and then. What happened yeah. in Miami stays in your butt. Yeah. And then in all honesty, like the one year he was in Houston, he played in 129 games and his numbers sucked. But that was the year he was cheating. So, so who knows? Or at least that was the year he set up, you know, other people cheating. I know he only had like one, like, you know, like I think he had like one postseason appearance in 2017 or something like that. But whatever. Either way, we're we're over it. We're moving past it. We're over it. We're moving past it. You live or die with Carlos Beltran as your pick. Yeah. All right. For and the Cardinals. If he wins for the Cardinals and beats the Yankees, that might even feel good. Yeah. It might. Um, feel good. But, yeah, so. All right, what position so, we got next week? So, next week we'll have center field. Um, this is actually the one position that I'm very happy we moved it away from all time. Uh, because the way we were going, I was going to be forced to choose between Mickey Mantle and Joe DiMaggio. And I don't think I could do that. Um, my body would reject that decision. Um, so I'm glad that we're in this wild card era. Uh, it's it'll a little be, more fun in the wild card era. Yeah, it'll it'll be interesting. It's it's a little bit more closer to home. Um, you know, with what we have going on. Uh, but yeah, so we'll have that next week. Um, I guess we can wrap this one up. Um, everyone, do your homework. Go watch that at bat. You can find it on YouTube for sure. Uh, 2000 World Series Game One, O'Neill. It's an amazing at bat. Uh, if you're a baseball fan, just he battles and it's insane. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's a good one. Uh, all of our uh, data today was not sponsored by Fangraphs and Baseball Reference. Yeah, we not were not by sponsored by them. Uh, we were originally only going to be not sponsored by one, and then I kind of find I find it like things about the other yeah, one. We, so yeah, we're we, just going to be not poked around and we both. did some stuff. Until one sponsors us. Um, and yeah, so we First have the list. Called, we got it. Yeah, we, we have the list at the beginning of the episode, so feel free to go back and give us your take. Tweet at us, uh, at the interleague on Twitter, or shoot us an email, uh, the interleague at gmail.com. Um, let us know who you got, what you think of our picks, uh, thoughts, concerns, opinions. Um, let us know what, where your head's at for center field, you know, for next week. And, you know, we can, maybe we agree with you or maybe we can bat you, you know, you never know, we but your follower truthers out there. <laughs> we, opinion. Uh... we might have you live. If you vote Dexter Fowler, we might work that out. Cause I might <laughs> want to talk to the person that enjoys watching Dexter Fowler play any part of the outfield on this. He, he is also a switch hitter. So yeah, I'm a big switch hitter. I'm a fan. You, know, you just love switch hitters. I'm a fan you? of switch hitters, yeah. man. Um, I'm but yeah, on my team. But yeah, so I guess we'll uh, we'll wrap this one up. Uh, anything else you want to add, I'm, Chris? I'm good. All right, thanks for tuning in. Everyone have a good day, night, morning, afternoon. Bye.